Hey friends, and welcome to episode 49 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies for work, life, and balance. I'm your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, and today's guest totally surprised me in a really good way by making a sometimes scary topic pretty fun. Managing money can be really intimidating, especially when we have so many other responsibilities on our plates. Navigating things like credit scores, credit cards, and credit card debt can add to the stress we're already feeling on our quest to find our version of work-life balance. Back in episode 15, I shared how I make time for money with my Finance Friday routine. So many of you reached out to let me know that a deeper dive into finances would be helpful for your work, life, and balance, and that's where Kristen Recupero comes in. So let me tell you all about Kristen and what she's bringing to today's episode. Kristen Recupero is a financial coach and consultant who specializes in helping small business owners and entrepreneurs with both their business and personal financial life. She helps to strengthen money management skills, eliminate debt, create cash flow systems to maximize profit, and educate owners and their families on personal finance matters to ultimately build wealth. By developing specific action plans tailored to each client's needs, values, and goals, they're able to live and retire in ways they only thought they could dream. Kristen believes that it's nearly impossible to completely separate business and personal life, regardless of the entity, and that both need to be running at optimum levels financially to create the ultimate life and financial freedom. Kristen is fueled by her passion to help others succeed and become financially free, and she truly loves what she does. In her spare time, she's an avid runner and lifter who loves to say that each half marathon is her last. She lives in the suburbs of Pittsburgh with her husband, two children, and fur baby. In today's conversation with Kristen, she reveals the tools and strategies she uses in her own life to manage her time and her finances. Plus, she talks about the power of budgeting and why it's so life-changing. Kristen covers four different methods for paying off debt so that you can become financially free. And for my business owners and side giggers in the audience, she shares how to manage your money so you can pay yourself first using the profit first method. Kristen drops a ton of knowledge and helpful, actionable tips in this episode. And since I know you're probably doing a little multitasking while you're listening, and it's not super convenient to stop in the middle of your walk or while you're washing dishes to take notes, you can find links to all of the productivity and financial tools, books, resources, and apps that Kristen mentions in this episode over at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 49. One more time, you can find those show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 49. And with that, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. 
If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Hey, Kristen, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm good, Anna. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Thank you for joining us. I cannot tell you how excited I am to talk with you today. I mean, not that talking about finances and money and budgeting is an incredibly, I mean, for me, it can be a little bit intimidating. I tend to be an avoider, but I know you're going to make it really fun today. So (laughs) thank you for that. I try. It's one of one of the things I pride myself on is that try to bring a little bit of funness to it and simplify it and make you feel like you don't need an accounting degree to run Ooh. your business finances or finances, you know, rocking them. Yeah, I, I could really a- appreciate that. I still remember taking accounting, but and it wasn't even regular accounting. It was like accounting for dummies in college and <laughs> just, you know, doing my best to get through it. Um really grateful for my CPA now, so I don't have to get through it, but I digress. (laughs) (laughs) So Kristen, I told everybody about you and what you do um, in the intro before we kicked off our interview, but I would love to hear from you in your own words, how you spend your time these days. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, I work pretty much Monday through Friday as a normal, I keep my hours as normal as they can be as a business owner, but I am also an avid runner and lifter. And I have two little ones that are two and three, my daughter, Nora, and my son, Vincent. Um, So they're 18 months apart and they keep me hopping and busy after hours. Um, Weekends, we do a lot of camp in the summer. We do some lake visits. We do, you know, just out and about outside as much as we can. So, I mean, that that's about it. I'm a pretty simple or simplistic person, I like to say, but um, that's my own opinion. <laughs> well, it sounds like you focus on the good stuff, you know, outside activities with your kids, running and lifting and serving people um, with financial fitness coaching. So can you tell me a little bit about what exactly that means? I mean, I'm a time management coach, so I help people get their calendars in shape and make sure that they're focusing on, you know, spending their time where it counts. So what does that mean for you as a financial fitness coach? Yeah, absolutely. So I help people get their finances in shape. Um, I do focus primarily on entrepreneurs and business owners, but I also work on the personal side um, with, you know, quote unquote, normal people, right? Um, And my business owners all get a case of personal as well, because you can't just bring more money home and then dump it out the window. You've got to be able to maximize it at home and be able to build wealth. I really focus on teaching people how to manage it well, how to enjoy it, how to save it, how to get to those goals that you have in those dreams. And sometimes they seem so far away, like, oh, I could never do that. Mm-hmm. But really, it's all a possibility for everybody. It's how you manage it. It's it's amazing that somebody living on 60000 a year can actually have a better life and a better you know wealth building strength if they manage it well than somebody who's making 200,000 a year. So, you know, it's all, it's all relative in this world. Yeah. It's, that's awesome. It's all in how you use it. And when you mentioned that even the business owners that you work with, you can't just stop 
financial fitness with your business finances. You've got to make sure that you're being intentional at home too. And it, it makes me think of how people just want to work out their upper body at the gym. And so they never do legs. And so they end up with these little bitty bird legs and these giant upper bodies. And it's, yep. it's like, it's basically the same thing. <laughs> You're right. And, you know, we make so much money that we don't need a budget. Yeah. And the truth is that it's simply just a tool to use, mm-hmm. you know, like the increased weights or a kettlebell or whatever, but it's a tool that helps you to just really tell your money where to go yeah. and feel good about what you're doing. I tell your money where to go. I think that there a lot of people don't really feel like they're in charge, like that that they don't feel that they're in the driver's seat and that their money has to go to, you know, rent or to mortgage and their money has to go here and then what's left over isn't quote unquote enough to make them feel like they're really in control. But, you know, you're telling us, you know, we are we tell our money where to go. Absolutely. And so, of course, you've got things like rent and um, gasoline and maybe a daycare, things like that. But you're also in charge of what are the ratios that you're spending? Are you living beyond your means? Are you living in a house that's too big or too much or renting a spot that's too big or too much? You know, so you still get to make a choice on that. And then everything else, when it's left over, quote unquote, um, you know, the way that I differ in budgeting than the way that somebody who says, yeah, I've done a budget before and it's never worked is that I teach that you actually have to tell that extra money where to go too. We mm-hmm. need to talk about, are you getting a haircut this month? Yeah. Are you getting um, new shoes this month? Are you, you know, all those little things that we don't think about, that's what we whittle away. And in the end, there's actually nothing left um, because we don't control the $5, $20 and, and $50 purchases that add up to $500 to $1,000. Yeah. This is so parallel to the little pockets of time that we have throughout the day that people will fill mindlessly with Instagram scrolling or, you know, another Netflix show or something like that. And they're not really thinking about how they're spending their time. And then they get to the end of the day and they're like, oh, wait, we're where did that go? It's all gone. That That's really interesting that there are such parallels between budgeting your time and budgeting money. So speaking of Speaking of budgeting money and time, you know, you are a financial fitness coach. You are a mom. You have a life. You know, <laughs> your your personal fitness is important to you, which often goes on the back burner pretty quickly for people whenever life gets busy. You know, I'd love to hear from you how exactly you do all the things that you do. What are your secrets? Oh my gosh. So scheduling, scheduling, scheduling. Um, I mean, you'll appreciate the fact that I really do try to budget my time the same as I do everything else in my life. I have to schedule in my workouts to my work day. So I have to be really intentional. Um, to be honest, the very first appointment of my day, every day after I drop the kids off is with myself. And I won't break that promise to myself anymore because I let it go. I did. I let it go for way too long after kids. Um, you know, before kids, I was like thinking about training for some fitness competitions yeah. and I was really excited. I actually thought that I wanted to be a health coach or a personal trainer before I decided to be a financial coach. Interesting. We um, go hand in hand. I mean, we talk about, I use food as an analogy all the time. But, you know, so that first appointment of the day, though, has become 
mine. When the kids are home, they actually come up and they work out with me mm-hmm. in my little gym. So they've kind of learned to adapt, you know, just it is what it is. It's that time that mommy works out. They jump around, they get goofy, they get in my way, but it still gets done. That's so fun. Um, That's so fun. My little girl um, is, a, she's a toddler right now. She's not one yet. She's in the 18 month range. And so uh, I, I really can't wait for her to be able to just jump around and get in the mix with my home workouts too. So that that's really cool that you do that. Yeah. Just be prepared. It'll stop. It might take a, a 30 or 40 minute workout might take an hour, but <laughs> you know, better than nothing. And you're setting a great example. I think. Yeah. Okay. So you start, you start your day with an appointment with yourself. That that's fantastic. Okay. So what else? Um, you know, I do a lot of food prep to make the family and the business. And we actually have two other businesses as well. Um, and I do all the home stuff. Um, I do, I hire out the cleaning once a month. Mm -hmm. That's detail cleaning. I hire it out. Um, but as far as our day to day stuff, I live on a schedule. I really budget the time. I do a lot of food prep on the weekends as soon as we pick up groceries so that I can quickly make meals or quickly grab snacks or pack lunches. Awesome. Um, and I set up a lot of things the night before mm-hmm. to make our mornings go smoothly. I pack part of our lunches. I get the vitamins out. We do the same breakfast and meals pretty much every day. So that's no big deal. Mm-hmm. But um, the night preparation is also key for me. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. Um, I was talking with someone not too long ago about how you either, you have to choose. You have to be a night person or a morning person, but you have to pick one. And if you are not a morning person, you've got to use that those nighttime minutes to set yourself up for success in case you need to be a zombie the next morning until your coffee kicks in. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. You know, and I've gone back and forth. I want to be a morning person. Um, but by nature, I'm a night person. I used to be a restaurant GM. Yeah. And so I worked a lot of nights, you know, leading up to that point too. But um, I, I'm really trying to transition to that morning, but nights are just easier for me to yeah. think yes. you said, you know, until my morning coffee hits. So that's really funny. Yeah. No, it, it, and it's so important to recognize you know, when you're at your best and to go with that because there's no point in trying to shove what like a square peg into a round hole and make yourself be a morning person when you can be just as effective doing the morning stuff at night. So that's, that's awesome. So what about, um, do you have any like go-to apps or are you a paper planner person or a digital person? Mm. So as far as planning, most of everything I do, it I'm a paper person. I love the full focus planner. Oh, yeah. It's one of my favorites. And I use that in conjunction with the five minute journal every day. Mm-hmm. And so the two of those things are kind of like, they're, they're my go to every morning and every night I set up my next day. I, I mean, really at the beginning of the week, I set up my week, but every day I look at what's coming up next. What do I need to move? Do I need to change anything? You know, those kind of things, but I'm paper. That's awesome. I'll be sure to link to the full focus planner in the show notes. Now for the five minute journal, are you using the actual, because it wasn't that uh, like a Tim Ferriss concept for the five minute journal, or do you use that concept with any journal? So it's, it's a specific journal. I don't know exactly who 
it where I heard of it or where I found it. I think I heard of it when I was reading um The Miracle Morning. Oh yeah, Hal Elrod. I will link to that yeah. too. Love Hal, Hal Elrod. Yes. I think that's where I heard of it and I'm really big in working with my groups and my clients on part of the thing they need to have is goals, visualization and affirmations. And so it really helps me kind of keep that stuff in track. Um, someday I would love to design my own that kind of incorporates a little bit of everything that yeah. I think is really important to a business owner and finances and goals. But um, using the two of these in conjunction has been awesome for me. Do it. Do it. Create that journal. Okay. So the full focus planner, the five minute journal, and in the future, the journal that you create for yourself that I cannot wait to see because it's obviously <laughs> going to be fantastic and probably what include like some some budgeting tracking in there too. Yeah. What are your financial goals? So they go right in front of you. So you're focusing on them every day because every step that you make leads to a financial goal. Every time that you look at your budget, every time you think about a purchase, they all lead to the end. Are you building wealth for yourself, for your generation? Because you want to give more, because you want to do more. Do you want to retire early? Why do you want to do this stuff? It's got to stay in front of you. Gosh, that is so good. You're so, so right. Really putting a why and a reason behind your overall, you know, budgeting strategy, your wealth building strategy, setting yourself up for success in retirement, which is something that is really easy for us to overlook right now when we're in the here and now. So tell me a little bit about the tools that you use for your family, for your business to stay on top of your financial game. So <laughs> funny you ask. I'm pretty much a spreadsheet person. Hey, I'm an Excel keep it Google Sheet person, actually, because I like Google Sheets because it translates and anybody can add to it and I can share it easily and it updates. You don't have to save it. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what I actually use for most of my clients and personally. But I do like the app Every Dollar mm -hmm. very much for those who want apps. Um, I've debated about a thousand times to switch over myself, but of course I created the spreadsheet I use and I'm really partial to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then YNAB is another great app that, you know, some people choose to use. It's fantastic. It links to the cards and a lot of these just kind of help you do what you're doing on a better level mm -hmm. so that you don't have to manually do a lot of it. It helps keep it when it's simple, it's something that you'll do. So more than anything, that's what we use personally, but more than anything, what's important is that it's something that you will use and that you will take the time to sit down daily and update. Um, you know, five minutes a day goes a long way against frustrations and letting something go. Mm -hmm. And I think it's great that you mentioned that there needs to be daily interaction with your budget and with your numbers. You know, how would you recommend someone carve out time for that? Because it doesn't sound like it's, it's a whole lot of time that's necessary, but it's something that's so easy to avoid and just continue putting off. Right. So the first, when you first create your first budget, it takes some time and it, you're going to have to carve out wherever it is and just say, I'm doing it. And it's going to take you the first one, probably an hour. Oh my gosh, it's going to be, uh, but then they get really easy because mostly they're a copy and paste, but the honest, you know, but you look at every month individually. So, you know, is it father's day coming up? Do you have mm -hmm. birthdays, the anniversaries? Are you traveling? Do you need more groceries, more gas, all those kind of things. But a lot of your stuff is going to be, you know, cut and paste and adjust. Um, 
But daily, looking at it and being proactive with that money is what's so critical. You can mm-hmm. create all the budgets in the world that look good, but when you don't follow it or yeah. use it as that tool and that guide and that roadmap, then it's kind of a pointless thing. When you're reactive, you may as well never have created it. So I always say that if you carve out five minutes before you go to bed to track the day's expenses and log into your accounts or log into your budget just for two or three minutes and review what you have in the morning, man, it just keeps you on track. And it also keeps in mind your goals. You can, you know, what I love about spreadsheets, let me back up, is that you can write like your goals right on the front. You know, you can have a little pocket and say, this is this month's goal. So mm-hmm. again, right there, it's in front of you as soon as you make that decision to say, I'm going to do it. So you pour your coffee, log into your budget, take a glance, no big deal. End of the day, you're laying in bed, log your expenses of the day, log any expenditures that you had, no big deal, five minutes. Hmm. So let's you wait. It's going to be painful. If you wait, it's going to be like, oh, what did I spend? What was that? And you miss things. And honestly, it's just kind of pointless at that point. Yeah. What did that mean? Yeah, that's a really good point. So let's rewind for a second, Kristen. Let's say that I've been living in reactive mode and I've been, you know, being careful with my budget or I've been being careful with my spending or everything seems fine. I'm paying my bills you know, why do I even need a budget? Like, you know, if somebody's on the fence and everything seems to be fine, like why do I need to spend time figuring out a budget and sticking to it? Well, one, I say that there's always room for improvement. Mm -hmm. Always. And what we don't focus on tends to get away from us. And so once again, when you think that it's only $5 at Starbucks and it's only, and it's not that you can't do those things, but when you minimalize it in your mind, it becomes in general, it becomes minimalized overall. So one stop turns into three stops, turns into six stops, and it grows. Mm -hmm. But the second part that I really say to that is that, you know, hey, I can leave Pittsburgh today and I can head west and I can get to California somewhere in the next week probably. Um, I might be in San Francisco and I might be, I don't even know, another town. L.A. (laughs) I might be in L.A., yes. But (laughs) I'll get there and I'll get there somehow. But if I take a map, I can get there in probably two days, Mm -hmm. maybe three, but I can get there very specifically to a very specific location and so much faster. Your budget is the same thing. It's your map. It's your guide. It doesn't mean that you can't stop off and get gas. So you can't stop off and make a change in the middle of the month and say, oh, I forgot about this, Mm -hmm. but you need to account for it somewhere else. And you need to say, okay, well, here's what I'm willing to give up because this is what I forgot about and I forgot to include, Um. or I'm choosing that I want instead. So, you know, on that, on that roadmap, you choose to stop off at an exit for one night because you see, you know, Barney's big, big parade that you want to go to and carnival, then you're choosing to take longer to get to your destination. Um, so it's all about those choices. And I think that the budget gives you that tool and that map to get there so much faster. That's great. I love the visual of a map and being more precise in how you get there and having a plan, but still giving yourself the ability to, you know, stop off and go to, you know, the world's largest rocking chair museum or like whatever random side <laughs> exit like, attraction there is, you know, you can you can adapt, but you still have a plan. 
Okay. So let's say that you've got me convinced and I'm like, okay, budgeting sounds good. I want to plan. How, how do I even get started? Well, there's obviously just kind of diving right in, looking at your expenses, going through all of that. But one of the things that I do like to suggest is that you go back through the last couple months of your expenses and you grab two different highlighters or two different ways to mark things and mark things as love and mark things as like love and need and mark things as, yeah, really didn't make a big difference in my life. Could have given up, could have done without this. Ooh, so it's like love and eh. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, really, if you when you get into it, you're going to have like needs, you're going to have rent and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have things that you really aren't willing to give up. And this is what I call value-based budgeting. So things that are really important to you and it's time with your family and it's, um, you know, maybe it's a vacation or something, or maybe it is that daily coffee. It just, mm-hmm. whatever is important to you. But then there's things that you look back and you really truly regret. And this happens for everybody. We all have the impulses or the things that we bought because everybody told us it would be the greatest thing, but we didn't research it. So you go back and you look at those things like, really, could I have given that up to have something different? Could I have given up $100 of going out um, and having lunch out to have that cleaning person come in once a month? Oh, that's a really good point. Because that's all it is. It's giving up that $100 of dining out for a month to have somebody come in to help you. Mm -hmm. So it's not that when people say, I can't have something or I wish I could do that too, more often than not, you're really choosing mm-hmm. not to go. And without that budget, without that map, you don't usually know where it's going. So if you look back at those expenses and you start there, it gives you a place to create that budget based on the values that you just decided um, what's most important to you. That's that's fantastic. It reminds me so much of hearing people say, I don't have time for that. I can't do that because I don't have time. Or like in your case, I can't do that because I can't afford it when really it's just a choice in how you want to spend your minutes or how you want to spend your dollars. It all goes back to it being a choice. It, it does. And you're so right. I mean, it's exactly the same thing as that mindless scroll on Facebook at the end of the night. And I used that actually with a client once and we talked about how much time do they waste. You would love this because I'm like, how much time do you waste scrolling social media? Because I'm guilty of it too. Oh, we I'm all are for sure. I turn my phone on do not disturb now. And I should, that's another tool that I use. Like it goes on do not disturb when I need to get things done because mm-hmm. it keeps me away. Um, and so that was the thing. She gave up her scrolling Facebook at night in bed until her budget was done. Ooh. That five minutes. And she's like, guess what? She goes, didn't miss that five minutes on Facebook. So I'm actually getting it done now. Yeah. Um, you're right. It's all those choices that we're making and we just don't realize it until it's brought up to us and we basically put it in our faces. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Keeping it visible. So, Okay, y'all, so I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? 
Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. So let's let's kind of continue this what these what ifs. So okay, so you've got me convinced on getting a budget and sticking to it. Um, but what if I have credit card debt or student loan debt that needs to be paid off? And maybe we tackle those separately. Like how how do I deal with paying off credit card debt? I mean do I use a snowball? Because I've heard of that, you know, just what do you think we should do here? Yeah. So the snowball is the most effective, the most efficient, and the most popular. There's four main types that I usually go over. One is the snowball. One is the avalanche. One is the cash flow method. And the other I call the bonfire. What? So the snowball... Yeah. And, you know, it depends on your personality, what's best, but I'll be honest, the snowball is it for most people. And that was what I used to pay off, you know, it was really my debt because we weren't married yet, but that's what we used. And I used to pay off my debt when I got the light under my fire, the fire under my butt that something had to change and where I found, you know, passion for all of this and helping people realize what a difference it makes. Um, So the snowball, you're taking those smallest to largest, don't care about the interest rates. And the reason is it works because it's so behavioral. You get a quick win under your belt. And Anna, that's just so important to like um, feeling success and feeling reward. Like if you go on a diet and you don't lose any weight for a week or two, you you give up really quick. Yeah. And so if you pay off debt and you look at a $30,000, you know, a loan that you need to pay off, but there's also this $500 little ankle biter sitting over here. You don't want to climb that mountain first. You want to get rid of that one and feel like, yeah, I did something, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the avalanche focuses on interest rate and the highest interest rate first. And rarely does that actually make a dent in your timeline. Um, It does make a dent in how much interest you pay in the overall world and grand scheme of things, but not enough to really be worth the um, side effects or the the negative side that it will take you, you may fall off the track, you don't mm-hmm. have as many wins quickly and those things. 
The cash flow index or a cash flow method, they're a little bit different, but in general, you're looking for what's eating up the most of your budget right now so you can make sure that it goes towards something else more powerful and another debt. So if you have a car loan that's $600 a month and you've got a credit card that's, you know, $25 minimum, you know, and that method, you would do the car first. So you open up that $600 and then you put it onto that credit card second. The problem with that is when people open up that cash flow, they rarely actually do something. They rarely stick to keeping that 600 going towards the next debt. It automatically opens it up for fun. And while well, I can do this gotcha. and you can, but you're making that choice not to eliminate it faster. Yeah. I think of this in terms of a weekly schedule. Whenever someone has a standing meeting that's been on their calendar for years and years and years, and all of a sudden, let's say that project or that group no longer needs to meet, instead of using that time in an equally productive way, it ends up getting filled with all of like the little bitty pebbles of life. Yes, exactly. That's a perfect analogy. Um, and that last one, the bonfire, uh, that is when you have like such a hatred for a debt. Like maybe it's a student loan, maybe it's a credit card that you ran up in college or you did a transfer, a balance transfer thinking you'd pay it off and then you ran it up again. Um, that's when you just have such a hatred for something, you'll do anything to get rid of it. And so you get, you, you go after it. Yeah. Um, but in any case, whatever your goal is to pay off, Anna, it's really important to pay the minimums on all of them except mm -hmm. for one. So you get the most bang for your buck going towards the principal on that one. And I mean, cut out every dollar and cent that you're paying extra on all of your other ones. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, cool. So we've got the snowball, the avalanche, the cash flow, and the bonfire. And I kind of feel bad for cash flow for not having a cooler name. Should we rename that like waterfall or like, Ooh, I like that. Or like a babbling brook? I don't know. I just feel like it needs a cool name. <laughs> I you're right. The rest of them definitely, I guess I never even put that together. Not at all. But the others are definitely way cooler and kind of go together in a way. Right. Okay. So yeah. we'll just put that on the parking lot to revisit later. What will we name Cash Flow? <laughs> Tidal Wave. Yeah. Ooh, even better. That's actually probably really good. Okay. Awesome. All right. So we, we'll, uh, we'll think about that. Um, okay, so that's really interesting. I was not even aware of all of those methods for paying off debt. So that that's huge. And so then it just makes sense to just make your debt payoff almost like a category in your budget. Absolutely. And it, it really has to be. So one of the things that I usually suggest is you put what you're going to pay towards that first and build your budget around it, kind of like a 401k that comes oh. out and you never see it. So you decide what you're willing to put against that, what you need to, what you can. Um, you know, there's a couple ways of looking at it. You have to know, you have to know all of your needs and your needs are covered first. Mm -hmm. But you know, the first goal is to build a budget and to know where your money's going and track it. The second goal is to start analyzing your expenses and really cut down the expenses so more money can be going towards the things that are important to you. Mm -hmm. Within that, a lot of the importance is usually eliminating debt because the average household usually has somewhere between $1,200 and $2,000 of minimum debts going out a month that once you open that up, that's investing. 
that's your future. That's your retirement. That's your vacations. That's your fun. Um, Get that stress out of your life. So usually that becomes a priority in where you say that, yes, I'm going to put $200 extra minimum away or $1,000 extra on this per month. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So let me see if I can repeat this back. So if I'm starting to make a budget, the first thing I want to do is look at my expenses for the past few months and really understand what my needs are and what my loves are. Because the loves, that's the value-based budgeting that you were talking about, where you you know, prioritize things that um, mean the most to you, right? Right. Okay. So then I'm going to, if I have debt, I'm going to decide which of the four methods I want to use to pay off that debt Um, and then figure out, you know, smallest balance to largest and make sure that I am paying the minimum for my credit card or debt accounts each month, but putting a big chunk toward the, the smallest balance. Okay. Right. Okay. So... Each, let's say each month as I'm reviewing, you know, as I, or like as I'm creating a budget, I would first make sure that I'm covering the needs in my life. And then I would decide what the debt payoff amount, like how how much I'm putting in my debt payoff category for the month. So first the needs, then the debt payoff. Then I can start getting into creating like amounts for the rest of our expenses. Right. Then comes your wants with what's left over. And, you know, and you really have to think about those values also in terms of, are you saying that family time is really important to you? So you do all these entertainment activities, you Mm -hmm. go to the zoo, you do, um, you know, the park and whatever, going out to dinner together. But are there cheaper ways to do that or more frugal ways rather? Yeah. Better ways to do that family. If it's family time that's so important on doing these, can you get either yearly passes that will save you money to like one place you go over and over? Can you pack your lunch when you go to the theme park so that you don't spend all the money on that? Can you buy tickets on Groupon to places? What are the other ways you can get the end effect of what you're looking for in that value. That family time is usually a big one that, that comes out. Think what can you, how can you get it for, for less money and still get what you're doing? Because I think that's where we also get lost. We think that family time means we have to go places, Yeah. but why can't you go to a local park or why can't you, you know, go to your library? Um, there's a lot of things we can do. And it's just like date night doesn't always have to look like dinner and a movie or going somewhere that requ- that requires, you know, a, a lot of money to be spent in order for it to count. You know, I love your advice to, you know, what are the other ways that you can reach your end goal? So I grew up in, uh, in small town, Louisiana, and there's more than one way to skin a cat is one of the you know, <laughs> lovely Southern phrases that I grew up with. There's more than one way to skin a cat. No cats were harmed in the making of that phrase, hopefully, (laughs) but there's more than one way to get to your end goal. And 
looking at, you know, I, I think it can be easy to kind of throw money at a problem sometimes. Like I want to spend more time with my family. So I'm going to pay for annual passes to Disney World and we're going to join the local zoo and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And you almost feel like you can check that off your list because you've paid the money. Um, when in reality, like you said, you can you can get to that end goal in a lot of other like more frugal ways. You know, this, I feel like this has a really good um, parallel or application to business as well, because, you know, when it comes to accomplishing a goal in your business, say maybe it's starting a podcast or it's social media content. A lot of times we feel like we need to buy the tip top equipment or we need to pay for all of the programs and um, hire a virtual assistant maybe before we're ready. You know, talk to me a little bit about what what budgeting can look like in business. Yes, yes. And it, you're, you're so right. And it's so important. And I love Jenna Kutcher said once um, in one of her episodes that she still records in the closet in her apartment or home. Yeah. And it's because it still serves the same purpose. Mm -hmm. What does Nancy Studio get her? She has what she needs and she gets the podcast done. So um, I love that. And I totally fell in love with her at that point in full respect because I'm like, you know, this is exactly it. Just because we can afford it, do you need to add it on? Is it going to propel you further and more forward in your business for some other reason mm -hmm. other than looks? Right. Is it about so the budgeting in your business is a little bit different than your personal life. In your personal life, it's really important that whatever comes in, you also budget out. It doesn't mean you spend it, but you tell it where to go. So it gives it that home of savings or debt payoff or haircuts or investing or whatever it is. In a business, it's a little bit different. But where I really like to you know, kind of step that up is that we use um, – I teach profit first. I'm a certified profit first coach and we use that and Parkinson's law hand in hand on making sure that you kind of look at your business in that way that what's in your marketing budget, if it's in your bank account, you can spend it. Is this what you choose to spend it on though? Hey, if you've only got $500 in that marketing account and there's a course up that you want right now, or there's something bigger down the road that you've been saving for. I mean, those are your choices. Mm -hmm. You either keep saving or you spend it now. Mm -hmm. So Profit First really brings to light using the separate accounts to make sure that we basically push down and decrease the amount of money in specific categories mm -hmm. so that you are setting yourself regular paychecks and it's not getting eaten up just like your you know personal budget gets eaten up in like little things. So you're, you don't end up spending that in your business operating expenses. It's really taking the process, you know, when I go back to the food analogies of really big plates and you go out and you, you know, you got a big platter and everything's on there and you fill up your big dinner plates and, and you eat the whole plate or you waste a lot. Mm -hmm. It's either A or B, right? You overeat or you waste a lot more often than not, but we're separating it down into smaller plates. So you can only take what you really need. You can only do what you really have. Okay. And it's amazing. So I use a very basic version of profit first in my business. But can you give a quick 
um, just a quick explanation of what exactly profit first means. And you mentioned Parkinson's law, which um, if you're listening and you attended my workshop back in May about designing your winning week, I talked about Parkinson's law in that workshop. But Kristen, give us an overview of what exactly profit first is and what it means and how exactly does Parkinson's law tie in? Absolutely. So profit first is a cash flow system. It's not your bookkeeping. It's not your necessarily your budgeting. Those are separate and they all go hand in hand. But profit first is a system designed by Mike Michalowicz. And it's a book that's that he wrote um, based on grandma's old envelope system. Mm-hmm. So it's really when money flows into your business on a systematic, on, on a, uh, systematic days. So we typically suggest the 10th and the 25th as the average days. You divide that money into your little envelopes and or slash rather bank accounts really in your business. So what a lot of business owners struggle with, Anna, is that when money comes in, they don't know how much should they be saving for taxes? Mm-hmm. How much should I be paying myself? What should I leave in for operating expenses? What's fair? What, you know, how do I make sure this stays within reason? And so Profit First uses your historical data based on your, your prior years in business if you've been operating for some time, or there's some numbers that we've dictated that you know, the financially elite are using and able to achieve with certain revenue ranges. So if you fall into, you know, are you doing 60000 a year or $600,000 a year? There's different numbers that you're looking to achieve. Mm-hmm. But it really keeps everything right into proportion. And we start with where you've been historically and dividing that money up based on where you were. And we push the nuggets basically each quarter and we try to improve your owner's pay your profit and your tax accounts. And we try to decrease your operating expenses and where the money is bleeding out Mm -hmm. of your business. Mm -hmm. So we have primary accounts. We have an income account where all your money goes into. We have a profit account. So you get profit quarterly profit distributions like a large shareholder company. Mm -hmm. We have an owner's pay account where you pay yourself from on a regular basis, even more so, which is better. We have a tax account where your business, your taxes are reserved to pay your personal and your business taxes. So as you know, as a business owner, you might take home $2,000, but you didn't pay taxes on that yet right. if you're an LLC or a full prop. So we reserve that money out to pay taxes on your behalf in the business there. So you're not afraid to make more money. Oh my gosh, Kristen, my very first year in business, I screwed that up so bad. <laughs> Oh, so many people do. You're not alone. <gasps> oh my goodness. It was it was so terrible and stressful to realize because I just had no idea. This was years and years ago whenever I, I left um, I left a full-time job and I was doing some contract work. And I just I didn't know. There there is no, oh, congratulations, you have a business now. Here's everything that you need to know. <laughs> No, that doesn't that doesn't exist. And I, I'm, you know, I made the mistakes and I learned from them. And yeah, I'm so grateful for systems like Profit First now to keep me in line. Okay, so there's the tax account, and then is that what else? What else is there? And then the last one in the basic system is the operating expense account. So that is your rent, your marketing, your subscriptions, your all those things that do tend to get out of hand that we don't analyze. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't realize how much we overspend what we should be spending in our businesses. The point of a business is to make more money, take right. more home, sit well and build wealth. Like that's, you know, we, we, 
we have different reasons why we started. It might be for financial freedom. It might be for time freedom. It might be for flexibility. Um, there's so many reasons. It might be a passion. But in the end, you build a business for, I mean, for finances. You That business should not be money sucking out of you mm. and draining you. It should be fun and exciting. And unfortunately, 82% of business owners are living paycheck to paycheck. And this is why I love the business owners, because it's that much more impactful. It's more than Americans who take a W-2 paycheck home Mm -hmm. and their businesses. They are waiting for a client to pay them, Mm -hmm. to pay their bills and to pay themselves. And more than 50% have gone for more than two months without paying themselves. And that hurts. Oh, man. it's like, you have to make the decision when you go into business, are you building a business or are you funding a very expensive hobby? Exactly. And that's the main difference. I mean, the main difference is, do you make money? Mm -hmm. If you don't make money and you have no desire to make money, that's okay. But that's a hobby. Right. And you keep it as that. Exactly. If it's a business, it needs to be making money, even if it's a side hustle, even if it's you know, a startup, it doesn't matter. It should be making money and you should be profitable right from the very beginning. And you can be. Mm -hmm. What I really like about Profit First is that it, it, it makes you pay yourself. And I can't tell you, you know, the first few years of my reason after, after making the mistakes and after learning and going back to W2 work and then starting a business again, um, this time with the intention of doing it the right way, even in the beginning, I, there was still a fear around paying myself. Like, what if I need this money? What if something happens? And I would just let it sit in an account um, and I know so many other business owners have done the same thing. Like, when do I pay myself versus just investing back in the business? Um, so I, I guess that's kind of a question too, is that how do you know when you're ready to pay yourself or should you be just paying yourself from the beginning? From day one. Day one. You should- Plowing back into the business or reinvesting back to the business is a term that should be eliminated. Oh, um, you should be doing that through your operating expense. And if you can't do that through your operating expenses, there's a problem mm-hmm. with your finances. There's there's a bleed there that needs to be stopped. So I always recommend that you grow at the speed of cash and what your business can afford. And when you know what those pro- what those percentages are and those allocations are and you set it up, if you're a brand new business, you can start right at the beginning percentages um, you know, with the, the only thing is you can down your profit a little bit and you should still be starting there. You need to build that muscle, mm-hmm. but you can do a little more in the operating expenses so that you can maybe do a few more building things, mm-hmm. but you know, otherwise you should be taking that money home right from day one, because that is the primary intention of your business. And we run out of juice, mm-hmm. you know, when you, even if you don't quote unquote need the money and it's extra, you start to feel like a loser at some point. (laughs) And I'm going to put those words in my own mouth. You just start to feel like, well, what am I doing wrong? Or when does this happen? Or um, it's probably not the right word, but it just, it, it makes you feel like, am I being inefficient? Will this ever come around? But once you get, don't start that habit at all, it's really hard to get into it. Yeah. You know, you said that fear is there of, what if I need that money? And that's probably where most people that 
most people that I start working with are in that position where they've got a lump sum. They just don't know what to do with it mm-hmm. and what should actually be coming home. Yeah. And so I they draws as needed from their business, mm-hmm. which doesn't really get you far in your personal finances either. No, no, it doesn't. And I think that so many of us come into business believing the lie that it takes years to become profitable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's just, you know, I don't know really where that comes from, but I guess a lot of people are saying, oh, well, you can be, you know, do you ever see somebody who's like really pushing that? Let me increase your revenue by six times. Well, they're doing that by also increasing your expenses by six times more often yeah. than not. Yeah. So you really need to be cautious of that, but you can be profitable from day one. And the only way you will pay off business debt is by being profitable. Mm-hmm. I define profit as being extra money. Mm-hmm. It's extra money in your business that has no home, no purpose, no reason. So it's not the money you're saving for that marketing purchase. It's mm-hmm. not the money that you're saving for your um, equipment, you know, mm-hmm. your new computer. It's extra money that you get to decide on a quarterly basis where it will go to the best use in your personal life or your business. Yeah. Your profits, your lane yap, like we say in Louisiana. <laughs> lane yap. It's a little something your, extra. Your what? Lane yap. <laughs> I've never heard that word ever. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Yes. Lane yap. It's like a, like a Cajun French term. I'll have to like completely confirm that it's a Cajun French term, but yeah, it's like a, it's just a saying in Louisiana for a little something extra. Um, okay. Yeah. Lane like yap. You can start using that lane yap. I'm going to. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Well, Kristen, I cannot tell you how much I have learned from talking with you today and how inspired I am to really take a close look at my personal budget, my business budget, to, you know, check in, like check it more regularly. Right now I, I dig into my finances every single Friday and that, that that's working pretty, pretty well for me, but I really love your encouragement to be in it on a daily basis just because it keeps your goals top of mind. So Kristen, if anyone listening wants to stay in touch or find you online or potentially work with you to tackle their personal or their business debt, where can we find you? You can find me hanging out all over social media. So I am on uh, Facebook at Financial Fitness Coaching. Um, the same with Instagram is where I probably hang out the most mm-hmm. and I like stories a lot. Yep. So financial.fitness.coaching. Um, and LinkedIn, I have both a business page and a personal. You can connect with me at Kristen Recupero. So website is www.financialfitnesscoaching.com. And if anybody wants to just set up a 20-minute consult just to talk about your money, no pressure, no anything, more than welcome just to set up a discovery call and we can talk about your money, your business, whichever it is. That is fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, And I'll be sure to link up all of her social media handles, her website, the whole nine yards on the website, but on the, in the show notes, because Kristen, like you are such an incredible resource and I am so glad that you do what you do to help people like me and to help people like our listeners. So Um, Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I am really looking forward to staying in touch and just getting even more financially fit with the tips and the strategies that you've provided for us today. 
Well, thank you so much for having me. I love to geek out over this. I haven't always been that way, but I will geek out over your money for you. So (laughs) it's all good. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kristen, and we will talk to you soon. Okay. And there you have it. After recording this episode with Kristen, we continued to stay in touch, and I am thrilled to report that my husband Scott and I are currently working through her Profit First boot camp. She's right. It's nearly impossible to truly separate personal and business life, especially for small business owners. So it's been great for both of us to be involved as my business continues to grow and shape our family's finances. You can find links to the productivity tools that Kristen mentioned, as well as information about Profit First Bootcamp and her coaching programs, plus links to Profit First, YNAB, every dollar and more by visiting the show notes over at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 49. And before you click over to your next podcast or put your phone away, I've got a favor to ask. Next week is the 50th episode of It's About Time. And I'd be so grateful if you'd help me celebrate by writing a five-star review for It's About Time in iTunes. As I'm recording this, I currently have 39 reviews, and I would be so thrilled to celebrate my 50th episode with my 50th review. So thank you again for listening, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.